Praise the Lord. Amen. We exalt, the, we exalt him. Wow. Well, this is uh, the July 4th weekend. I hope you had a good weekend. I hope you were able to uh, be with family and, and enjoy one another. But also, as, as July 4th, of course, it's a, a weekend that we celebrate. And we didn't get to celebrate July 4th without a lot of conflict, a lot, a lot of bloodshed. And uh, being British, Pauline has to remind me to celebrate July 4th. Um, and you haven't kicked me out uh, of the country, praise the Lord. But um, just think of that. But today when we come to church and we come and we look at Christ and we think of the conflict and we think of the battle that took place for Christ, we're here today to have celebrate communion on this first Sunday of the month and think about what he did. Think about the blood that he shed for us. He has given us everything we need for life. Do we really know that? Do we believe that? Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come to look at your scriptures today, as we come to look at uh, what you've shown me, Lord, I pray that it, uh, you would speak uh, to us as a congregation, speak to anyone that might listen to this uh, message online. Uh, and Father, I just pray that you would be the one lifted high, that you would be the one glorified. And that, Father, that we would all be drawn closer to you and realize Realize whatever the enemy says, whatever our own minds say, that you have given us everything we need for life. And so, Father, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to come and bless this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Paul is an old man, as we talked about a few weeks ago, as he writes to young Timothy. I want us to keep that in mind, even for us, many of us in here have uh, lived a few years, and uh, sometimes we look at our congregation, we think we'd like to have more people in here, more young people in here. We'd like the opportunity to minister to them, and, and of course, our brother Mike has been given a great blessing of being able to minister to our brother Josh, and, and on the first of next month, we're going to celebrate a baptismal service, Josh giving his life to the Lord. And think about, I want you to think about that, and of course I'm sure it's more sensitive and even more precious to Mike and, and Josh this morning as, the, as we look at this relationship that Timothy and, and Paul had. Now, now, a few weeks ago we looked at the, the power of a father's blessing and how Paul refers to himself as a father of Timothy. Uh, we understand uh, from uh, Acts uh, chapter 16 uh, it's mentioned in here, and I want to read this first because I want us to get the idea of this relationship, if you will, and help us understand how we might have a relationship with one another, but, but primarily to get to a place understanding who we are in Christ and encouraging others in their relationship with Christ and that Christ provides everything we need. So in Acts chapter 16, it's recorded in here uh, that it says, Then he came to to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple there named Timothy. Uh, you need to note this. Timothy, he was the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. And of course, Paul mentions this in his second letter. He talks about his grandmother and talks about his mother. 
And, uh, but here he mentions that his mother was Jewish, a woman who believed, but his father was Greek. His father was a Gentile. And it would, but as I mentioned a few weeks ago, Paul never mentioned this in, in, in the letter to Timothy about his father. He took on the role of father. But it's important to see that. How did Timothy feel about this, about having a mother who believed, who was Jewish, and a father who was a Gentile, apparently an unbeliever? And, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Icomian. Anyway, Paul then, he, he, he's ministering to him. And, but as I said earlier, he is an old man. And he's taken this role of father to Timothy. And as he looks, and, he, and as, he's, as Paul is also going through his own growth experience, as he's trying to encourage Timothy in his growth experience. Much as, like I hope and pray, that that's what I can do as your pastor, is I am walking through my own growth experience while at the same time trying to encourage you in your growth experience. Now what happens as we start to grow deeper with Christ? There's two things that can occur. One is the deeper we go with Christ, we come to a place where we begin to see our depravity more and more. And we can tend to, if we're not careful, the enemy would have us focus on the deep depravity that we have in our own flesh. Whereas God wants us to focus on the depth and the height and the love and the width of the love of God. So there's these two streams, if you will, flowing. And as Paul writes this as an old man, uh, it's, it's just prior to his martyrdom before he was killed. Now, earlier on in Paul's life, just to get a picture of this old man Paul, when he came to Christ in a powerful way, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, that he described himself as the least of, of the apostles. That's how he saw himself, as the least of the apostles. He saw his depravity. He saw that he was a man murderous that was arresting Christians, putting them in jail. That's where he was before he came to Christ. And so then he begins his journey. The Holy Spirit fills him and empowers him. And he begins to preach the gospel, but he hasn't done growing in his depth with God. Because about five years later or so, in, in Ephesians 3.8, he describes himself there as less than the least of all the saints. See, when he first started, he was comparing himself with all the apostles. And he says, you know, I am the least of all the apostles. Then he begins to grow and he gets closer to Jesus closer and more and more, less of him and more and more of God. And he begins to say, you know, I am the least of all the saints. That's how depraved I really am in my flesh. When I look at my flesh and compare it with what God has for me. Well, as he comes to write to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1, 1 the first letter of Timothy 1.15, again, these two letters were written very soon before he was to be martyred, before Paul was to be killed as an apostle. And he says in here, 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief or the worst. 
So in his, in his growth in his relationship with the Lord, he begins to see the total depravity of himself compared to the awesome holiness and purity of God. And he describes himself as the least, the least of all the apostles and the least of all the saints and now the chief, the worst of all sinners. But Paul doesn't go down the road of where he's dwelling on that in his life, which the enemy would want you to do and wants him to do. He gets him to dwell on the richness and the glory of God and, and, that, and that God is going to take him home and he's going to be with him forever. And this is the man that's writing to Timothy. And he's become, and he's claiming fatherhood to Timothy. And he wants to make sure that this man, this man Timothy, also is going to realize how the depth and the width of the love of Christ, that, that God has all that Timothy needs for life. Just a side note of this is what's interesting to me, is this whole idea, too, of having a, a Gentile father and uh, but, a, but a Jewish mother, and when Paul brings, uh, sees Timothy as a young disciple, he takes him, and the first thing he does, it's recorded in the, in the book of Acts, is he circumcises him. Verse 3 of chapter 16 of Acts says, Paul wanted to have Timothy go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. Now, you, we all know, if you've studied Scripture, you know that Paul was very outspoken about, and he, and he remember, he just lectured Peter in the, in, the, in the Galatians letter about not trying to saddle up with, uh, you know, if you're saddling up with the Gentiles and then the Jews walk in and you become, you know, you're over here, you're over there, you're all mixed up. And, and here's Timothy, this young man, who apparently is, is a, they think they're just a single child, and they believe he's sort of young, he's kind of timid, he's, he needs some encouragement. And, uh, and, he's, and he's been taken by, by Paul with, a believing, with an unbelieving father, and he takes, Paul takes him and circumcises him. Can you imagine what went through his mind on that? Have you ever thought about that? Like, would you be a little bit confused? Well, hey, how come you're telling Peter this, but you've done this with me? But Paul had the wisdom of God to know what needed to be done for Timothy, the man of God. And, it, and, it, and it, it, to, to obviously Paul made that decision. Because in Galatians, we see that, um, that uh, or actually in 1 Corinthians 9, there's verses between 19 and 23. You can study those at home. But what Paul was describing in there in 1 Corinthians 9, that he wanted to serve all men, and to the Jews, I became a Jew. He wanted to make sure if, if, if someone was poor, he, be, you know, he wanted to be, behave in a poor manner. If he was rich, he'd be rich. If, you, if he's a Jew, I'm going to be Jewish. If he's a Gentile, I'll be a Gentile. So he's got this dichotomy going on. And then in Galatians 2.14, he says, if you, telling, Timothy, telling Peter off, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? And verse 16 of Galatians 2 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And so now we see Paul's letters, and we see a spiritual father mentoring and discipling and encouraging a young man 
that God has given him everything he needs to serve Christ. Now, that's a long introduction, if you will. But just to get the idea of trying to picture this and then picture yourself, God wants us to be discipling young people. Now, when I say young people, when we come to Christ, we can be at different ages. Young in the Lord. If someone comes to Christ, they're young in the Lord, and you've been with the Lord a long time, he wants us to get together and help each other grow. And the, the communication we see through this letter to, Tim, to Timothy is to encourage the one you're discipling that God has everything we need. And he gives us three specific things in this, in this charge that he says to Timothy that God has given us. And I want us to look at those three things, if you will. When he says in 2 Timothy 1.7, if you want to turn there, this is the letter we're looking at. It, remember, he's encouraging Timothy to fan into flame a gift that was given him at the laying on of the hands of the elders and in reminding him to fan that into flame. And then verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But this is what God has given us. If we want to know what God has given us, and he's given us everything we need, here's three things, and they cover a vast amount, a vast array. He's given us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The Holy Spirit that God in, in, infuses in us as believers and wants to baptize us in and have multiple fillings throughout our relationship with God is a spirit of power. The Holy Spirit is power. And the power of God gives us a courageous boldness. When we think of everything that we need for life and godliness, one of the things we need, don't we, is a courageous boldness. Who doesn't need a courageous boldness to share our faith with someone that doesn't know Christ? Who doesn't need a courageous boldness to share our faith with someone who's just new in Christ? And that courageous boldness comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't give us a spirit of cowardice. And the contrast between cowardice or fear is, is the power of the Holy Spirit. A.B. Simpson, writes the founder of this denomination, says the Holy Spirit has power. He is almighty. There is nothing he cannot do. There is no case too hard for his working no soul too lost for him to save, too hard for him to soften, too vile for him to sanctify, or too weak for him to use. His power is displayed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His power is displayed in the description of our own salvation. When we look, the devil wants to take us down a road of our depravity, God wants to take us down the road of declared righteousness. And that is part of our salvation. That's what God wants us to share. We can share that in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
when we realize the power of our salvation. Nobody can be saved without the power of God. The most miraculous, awesome power that's ever been seen was the power that it took the Holy Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead. And he lives today, interceding for us. And that same power, he says in Ephesians, is what is poured into us and raises us from our old life and gives us new life. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. He is. The Holy Spirit is power. But the second thing he mentions here is what? He's not given us a spirit of fear and of timidity or cowardice, but of power and of love. Now, it just he's saying so much in this one short sentence that I don't even know if we can truly grasp it. We've got to take this word, I encourage you to do it, and have a week of meditation just on these words. Power, love, and sound mind, self-discipline, or wisdom. Think about it. So he's given us love. And the Holy Spirit is love. The love of God gives us a fearless confidence. Think about that. When the love of God is shed shed abroad in our hearts, the Bible says, you have a fearless confidence. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the, the power of God comes on us. We have a courageous boldness. We're courageously bold and we're fearlessly confident. Think about that. There is a fearless confidence in us when the love of God is perfected in us. When Paul was going from the least of all the saints, or should I say the, 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 the least of all the apostles, the least of all the saints, and the chief of sinners, as he was going along that road, God's love was perfecting him. And the perfection was going deep and deep and deeper. And yes, the eyes that go deep in love can see the depth of depravity. And the devil says, focus here. And God says, no, focus here. Because I want to use you to tell people that I have all that they need. And I want to pour into them a godly power that gives them courageous boldness and godly love that will give them fearless confidence. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12, look, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed for I know whom I've believed and I'm persuaded that he is able. And we can just stop right there. Now you talk about a, you talk about a courageous boldness and a fearless confidence and that given through the power and the love of God, you can say, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I've believed and I'm looking deeper down the well of love. First John 2, 3 says, First John 2, 3, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. By this we know that we know him 
if we keep his commandments. There is a way in which we need to keep his commandments in love. Study the scriptures so that we can be approved by him and be a workman for him. Verse 5 of that chapter says, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. I just want to encourage you in your devotions with God, in your devotions in, in the morning or the evening or whatever your time clock is best for you, to sit before the Lord and soak in him so that you can be filled with a Holy Spirit power and have the boldness that we need, a courageous boldness that we need, just even to live life and a fearless confidence to claim all that God has for us and to tell others about it. It's when we keep ourselves in his word, we keep his word, and we stay in his word. We become like a tree planted by streams of living water. And we are being perfected. It's, it, it is a journey. And it is too complicated. And it's, it's too, I'm not even able to explain to you how God is going to work in each one of your lives. Because he works independently. And yet he works corporately. He knows you uniquely. He knows how to encourage you to go deep. He knows how to encourage you to stay out of the well of depravity. He knows your weakness. And he always has a strength to counteract that weakness. And it's staying in his word and you become perfected. 2 Timothy 2.15, this is more of that letter. Paul trying to encourage this young man, Timothy. He says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. There is, that's why we come to worship. That's why we share with one another. That's why when we have a Bible study on Sunday morning, and right now we're going through Joshua, and Joshua has been told to be strong and courageous. And every place you put your foot, I've already given to you. Do you think he had a, a courageous boldness and a fearless confidence? Only through God. And he was been perfected. Be diligent. Present yourself. Prove to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. We need the word of truth in the devotions. 1 John 4.12. Going back to 1 John. We love one another. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. That word perfected. Do you want God to perfect his love in you? I say you do. And if you're struggling as I asked you that question, then I'm going to suggest that your eyes get too focused down into the depravity. And then want to rebuke that in the name of Jesus and come over here into the depth of love that he has for you. Oh, he loves you. So yes, he's given us courageous boldness and fearless confidence through his power and his love. But as we get that in us, as we get filled with this, with his power and his love, there becomes in us what he then refers to this third area of a sound mind. One man says it's, it's called safe thinking. God gives you a way of thinking which is safe and secure because it's, it's guided by this Holy Spirit. Good thoughts, pure thoughts, healthy thoughts. 
Listen, we all have those times where all of a sudden the devil tries to take us down this road. Believe me, when you come to preach the gospel or you come to teach the gospel or you go to share your faith, the devil wants to take you down here and get you discouraged. Well, what am I going to tell people? No, I'm going to get down here and I'm going to bury myself in the love of God. He's given me a sound mind. He's given me self-discipline, safe thinking. That's through the Holy Spirit, through the love of God. It's through the perfection that he begins to move into your spirit, into your life, into your mind, transform you by the renewing of your mind, fill your heart with his love and his power. In Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it says the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Well, we know that's on Jesus, but the same spirit that's in Jesus, Jesus has given us the spirit that rested on him. Now we have him. And it says it's the spirit of wisdom and understanding. That's soundness. The spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge. And the fear of the Lord. A healthy fear of the Lord. Think of that. That's the solidness of the gospel. That's what this man, Timothy, Paul, is trying to say to this young man. Listen to me. I've been on this journey. The Holy Spirit has been empowering me, perfecting me. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. And I'm trying to tell you, Timothy, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He's not giving you a spirit of cowardice. When you get that idea in your head, you're getting weak and go in this direction. When God says, go this direction, the spirit of wisdom, oh, don't you want that? The spirit of understanding, don't you want that? The spirit of counsel and of power, knowledge. Listen, when you come to make decisions in life, whatever decision that is, his Holy Spirit begins to pour in your life. When you ask him, Lord, I need to make this decision. I need guidance from you. I need that power that will give me that courageous boldness. I need that love that will give me fearless confidence. And my mind then will begin to think thoughts that were guided by God, guided by his spirit, which gives me wisdom and understanding and decisions. And a, a whisper might come in your, your mind and say, this is the decision to make. This is, the, this is the direction to go. This is what you need to say right now or not say right now. And it comes from God. James 3, 17, which we've talked about many times since I've been here at Calvary. It says, the, it says that, that the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's pure. It's impeaceable, gentle. It's reasonable, willing to yield. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's what God wants to pour into us. That's what God wants. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy. That's what God is saying to us this morning. Do you want a courageous boldness, a fearless confidence, and a wise mind, solid thinking, self-discipline, guided by God? Well, he has it for you. Book of Proverbs 8.14, God says this in his word, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. He says, I am understanding, I have strength. That's talking about God. Listen, do you want strength? Do you want understanding? 
Do you want sound wisdom? Do you want counsel in these next coming weeks, decisions that you're trying to make? Then lead into God. Lean on Jesus. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Psalm 119.80 says, Let my heart be blameless. Or one translation says, Lord, would you just let my heart be sound? Let it be sound regarding your statutes, that I may not be ashamed. Therefore, do not be ashamed, Timothy says, after he says this verse in verse 7 of Timothy. Look, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Don't be ashamed. You don't have to be ashamed because God took the power from heaven and raised Jesus from the dead. And when we give our life to him, he says, now I can pick you up out of that dark pit, out of that mud and slime, and set your feet on a rock. And I'm going to put a hymn of praise in your mouth. And when people begin to hear you sing, they're going to turn to the Lord too. Because they'll see you sitting on, standing on that rock singing with a courageous boldness and a fearless confidence, and a sound mind. Don't you want that? Amen? So Timothy, so Paul goes on in Timothy, in verse 13, he says, I want you to hold fast the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Can I say that to you this morning? Even what you've heard, maybe you've just heard a few words. But whatever it was, if it was going down this direction, then set it aside and rebuke it. But if it was going down into the depth of love, then hold fast to it. Hold fast to it. Those are sound words. And the love that are in Christ Jesus. He loves you so much. God sent his one and only son to die on a cross for you give his life for you. That is depth of love. Yes. Verse 14 says, that good thing that was committed to you, that good thing, that life, eternal life. If there's anything good, it was eternal life. Yes, they said he had a gift. Praise the Lord, he had a gift. But the greatest gift was his salvation. The fact that he was rose, risen from the dead. Timothy was. That's your greatest gift. So that good thing, your eternal life, your life in Christ has been committed to you. Keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. Be strong in 2 Timothy 2.1. It says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 6.10 tells us to be strong in the Lord and in his, might, in his power of his might. Oh, man. And be diligent to present yourself approved to God, yes. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I trust that that has been done here this morning. The Holy Spirit is not ashamed to testify of God's attributes of power and love and self-discipline, and neither do we need to be ashamed. And when God takes us down into this depth of love, oh, 
The words that come out of your mouth are wise with understanding, with wisdom, truth, and love, bathed in all that God has for us. It's because he is power, he is love, and he is the sound mind and the solid mind. That's what he has for us. That's what he has for us today. So when we come to the communion table and we consider what he's done for us, that's the depth that he's done. When we take the bread in our hand and say, Lord Jesus, you did this for me. And now you want to perfect in me your perfect power and perfect love and perfect sound-mindedness? Thank you, Lord Jesus. And that cup that represents the blood that cleanses us from all sin? He says, take this in remembrance of what I've done. That's what we're doing when we come to Christ. It makes us want to go get baptized after we come to believe, doesn't it, Josh? Because that's what he does, because he loves us. But at the same time, those of us that are here that have been around the Lord a long time, I trust we haven't been going down this way. I trust we've been going this way into the depth of his love. I trust that we can get around our young people that, don't, that are just growing in the, in, the, in the things of the Lord and say, don't be afraid as you go deeper with God. Yes, you'll see your total depravity. You'll see it even deeper. But all Lord Jesus is going to show you the depth of his love and take you to higher heights. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we would have such courageous, courageous boldness and fearless confidence and a strong mind in the Lord Jesus. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done for us. And I pray that each one of us would understand that you've not given us this cowardice spirit, this spirit of fear that has to be afraid, but you've given us one of power, one of love, and one of sound mind. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.